Welcome to Mentally Stronger, the show that will help you develop the mental strength you need to reach your greatest potential no matter what life throws your way. I'm Amy Morin, psychotherapist, mental strength trainer, and an international best-selling author of five books on mental strength. You're listening to The Friday Fix. Every Friday, I share a quick mental strength strategy that can fix the thoughts, feelings, and actions that can hold you back in life. If there's anything that I've learned from my journey, it's that it only takes one bad habit to rob you of the mental strength you need to live your best life. And the fun part is, we record the show from a sailboat in the Florida Keys. Make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite platform so you can get mental strength tips delivered to you every single week. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Today, I'm talking about what to do with uncomfortable feelings. Most of us were never taught. We learned by watching people around us and through trial and error. But that's not always the best way to learn how to deal with feelings. If you're like most people, you might have had some poor role models. Or you might have learned what seems to work in the moment without being able to recognize what the long-term consequences are. Like, let's say when you were 10, you yelled at a kid who was annoying you, and he stopped annoying you. In that moment, you learned that yelling at people is a really helpful strategy. You didn't realize that the downside is that people don't usually like people who yell. So you might have lost friends in the long term. All of us have coping skills that we use to manage uncomfortable feelings. Not all of our go-to strategies, though, are a good idea. Overindulging or avoiding things, distracting ourselves, venting, pacing, and numbing ourselves are just a few ways that we might feel better fast. But again, those things might do more harm than good in the long run. I get lots of questions from listeners who ask me things like, is watching TV a bad way to cope with anxiety? Or is it a good idea to use social media if I feel sad? But the answers to those questions are really, it depends. Let's say you're worried about a loved one who was expected home an hour ago. They haven't responded to your text message or a phone call. And you're starting to think the worst about what might be happening. In that moment, watching TV is probably a really good way to distract yourself from all of your anxious thoughts. But if you watch TV every time you felt anxious, it would probably get in the way of doing anything productive. Like, let's say you're anxious about money. Sitting and watching TV for hours isn't going to solve your problem. A better strategy would be to sit down and create a budget or to figure out how to get more income. So any coping skill has the power to be helpful or not helpful. But it really depends on what it is and how it's used. We all feel uncomfortable feelings. Things like anxiety, dread, disappointment, embarrassment, jealousy, fear. The reason we feel those things, though, might differ from person to person. Something that triggers anxiety in one person doesn't trigger it in somebody else, necessarily. So we don't all agree on what emotions are most uncomfortable, either. Like, you might think the most uncomfortable feeling on the planet is embarrassment. But your friend might think the most uncomfortable emotion is anxiety. But if you hate embarrassment and you get stood up for a date you might decide you're never going to tell anyone what happened because you feel embarrassed. Your friend, on the other hand, might have anxiety that everyone's going to find out that they got stood up on a date, so they actually might announce it to everyone they talk to. 
because they don't mind being embarrassed, but it's the anxiety that they don't want to feel. A lot of differences in our behavior has to do with our tolerance for different emotions and our ability to cope with them. And our strategies for coping are different too. But keep this in mind. The goal for most humans is to feel good and avoid pain. The desire to do that pretty much explains almost any human behavior that you see. So when we get better at managing uncomfortable feelings, we make better decisions. We respond to things with fewer knee-jerk reactions that try to instantly end our pain. And we start to learn to make healthier choices that are good for us in the long run, too. This is the first time in my life when I haven't had a pet. Up until two years ago, I had Jackson, a 19-year-old Himalayan cat, and Fiona, a 17-year-old English Springer Spaniel. Both of them lived on the sailboat and adjusted pretty well to life on the water. I miss them, and I look forward to getting another pet when the time is right. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of the family, and you want the best for them no matter what. But vet bills can really add up. That's why you should check out Pet Insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash stronger. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash stronger. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash stronger. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency, LIM. Do you want to get high-quality meat delivered straight to your house? Or in my case, a sailboat? Try ButcherBox. It saves me time and money. And if you order right now, Mentally Stronger listeners can get steak, chicken, or salmon free in every single order for an entire year. I love that ButcherBox offers grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, and wild-caught seafood. There are no antibiotics or added hormones. They even offer vegetarian options. ButcherBox lets you decide how often you want deliveries, and you can pick a curated plan, or you could completely customize your box. Sign up at butcherbox.com stronger and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com stronger and use code STRONGER to choose your free-for-a-year offer. Plus, get $20 off your first order. So let's get to this strategy that can help you reduce the intensity of an uncomfortable feeling. It works instantly, and it also reduces the amount of time that you feel that uncomfortable feeling. It's simple, but it really works, and it works for everyone. Here it is. Name your feeling. That's it. Putting a name to your emotion instantly helps your brain make sense of what's going on. And it can help you feel better and take more productive action. There are tons of studies that back this up. But one of my favorites is a study that was conducted by UCLA. The participants in this study were all trying to find the courage 
to get as close to a tarantula as possible. They split the participants into four different groups and gave each group slightly different instructions. Each person tried to see how close they could get to the tarantula. Then each group was given a set of different instructions on what they should do next. Group one was told to keep repeating what they were feeling. Something like, I'm afraid of this giant tarantula. Group number two was told to fight their fear with logic. So they would tell themselves things like, oh, okay, that tarantula is in a cage. There's no reason to feel afraid. Group number three was told to distract themselves with anything unrelated to the spider and the task at hand. And group number four actually wasn't given any instructions at all. After they were given the instructions, each group tried to get close to the tarantula again. They found that the group who named their emotions were able to get way closer to the tarantula, and they showed fewer signs of fear. The reason for this is because when you name an emotion, the emotion actually starts to get processed in a different part of your brain. When you experience any uncomfortable emotion, a brain scan will show that there's heightened activity in your amygdala, which is the part of the brain responsible for processing threats. When you label your emotion, though, the activity in the amygdala decreases, and there's more activity in the prefrontal cortex. That's the part of the brain that processes emotion and inhibits behavior. So essentially, it slows down your response so that you don't react quickly to an uncomfortable feeling. And you'll be able to respond in a wiser way rather than just react based on your emotions. Naming an emotion also reminds you that whatever you're feeling right now is temporary. And that alone can help you feel a little bit calmer. Like the anger that you have about something that happened earlier in the day, it won't last forever. Or the anxiety you have about a family situation, that's not permanent either. But too often, we don't want to admit how we feel, not even to ourselves. It's like we try to convince ourselves that if we don't admit that we're scared, then those scary feelings might go away. Or we don't want to acknowledge something that might cause us to dislike ourselves. Like you might not want to admit that you feel jealous. So you try to tell yourself that you're actually happy for the other person when you're not. We're not used to naming our feelings either, so it's hard to identify exactly what it is you're feeling. And we sometimes get feelings mixed up with behavior. Like in my therapy office, I'll ask people to describe how they feel, and often they'll say things like, oh, I feel like he's a jerk. Or I feel like I want to crawl in bed all day and stay there. But those things aren't feelings, they're thoughts, or they're talking about their behavior. Feeling words are things like happy, sad, angry, disappointed, calm, guilty, ashamed, embarrassed, anxious, and scared. If you want to get better at naming your feelings, practice. One of my favorite strategies for practicing is to do just this. Look up a list of feeling words online. You'll find a whole bunch of them really quickly. Print one out and tape it to your bathroom mirror. Whenever you're brushing your teeth, Ask yourself, how do I feel right now? That will help you get more used to putting a name to your emotions. At first, it might be tough to really pinpoint how you feel. And in fact, you might feel a whole bunch of different things all at the same time. And sometimes those things can feel contradictory. But you can be both happy and sad at the same time. 
or you can feel scared and excited. But when you pair this strategy with something that you hopefully already do every day, like brushing your teeth, it makes naming your emotions a habit too. So if you've ever heard somebody say that expression, name it to tame it, that's what they mean. Put a name to your emotion and you'll instantly start to feel a lot better. Give it a shot this week and see what happens. You might just find it's a really simple but effective mental strength building strategy. If you know someone who could benefit from learning how to grow mentally stronger, share this show with them. Just sharing a link could help someone grow stronger and feel better. Do you want free access to my online course? It's called 10 Mental Strength Exercises That Will Help You Reach Your Greatest Potential. To get your free pass, all you have to do is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Then send us a screenshot of your review. Our email address is podcast at amymorinlcsw.com. We'll reply with your all-access pass to the course. Thank you for hanging out with us today and for listening to Mentally Stronger. And as always, a big thank you to my show's producer, who had to wait to record this episode until it was quiet because it was raining outside the floating podcast studio, Nick Valentine. <laughs>